0: Lessons from the past. There is that saying, isn't there, that uh, people who don't learn the lessons of history are condemned forever to repeat the mistakes that they've been making. Um, Last week, it was our church anniversary, so we were thinking about the history of the church and how it had grown and developed over however many years it was. How old are we? Can anybody remember? I can't remember. 196? Yes, yes. Some of us feel older than that some of the time. Um, 196, well, whatever it is. and uh, how the church has grown and developed, not just in the sense of building, though you've only got to glance at the building and realize that uh, bits have been added here and there, as the church has faced new challenges and undertaken new tasks. So we need to see if we can learn from the past and learn from what's in the uh, gospel. What can we learn from this parable? It tells us about God, it tells us about mankind, and it tells us a bit about Jesus. It's always a mistake, I read, to actually try to put too much weight on the detail of parables in most cases but this parable is an exception most of the time the parable is just a snapshot it's just a little picture an image designed to give us an idea about uh, very often about the kingdom of heaven but it's only supposed to be that you're not supposed to analyze them in great depth and pick them all to pieces but this one is different because jesus tells this parable and he's quite precise about it, and the details do bear analysis. And you've got a landowner who plants a vineyard. Now, the landowner, of course, is supposed to represent God. And just look at how God is. If you just read the first paragraph, in fact, you will realize, just by thinking about the number of verbs there are in the sentences, that God is extremely energetic. He builds. He plants. He constructs. Doing, 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 doing. He put a wall around it. He plants the vines. He grows the hedge. He puts the watchtower in place. How much energy has this landowner got? Plenty and he's. And to spare. He's an all action. So, a very trusting landowner, you see, because then he goes away and he entrusts the care of all this. And think of all the effort and energy he's put in. He entrusts the care of all this to tenants. Tenants, of course, that's people like us. And the people to whom Jesus was telling this story would have been well aware that the tenants were the people of Israel, the Jewish people. So the landowner landowner builds, constructs, and plants, and then he gives it over to the care of the tenants. And he trusts them to do the work of looking after and tending the vineyard. He's also quite patient because he realizes quite early on that actually the tenants aren't really doing the job. When he sends his servants to them to collect the fruit, they beat the servants up. They stone them. They kill them. But he sends some more. You'd have thought his patience would have been exhausted because the same thing happens to the second lot. Eventually, his patience goes so far as to allow him to send his son. How patient is that? He keeps on giving the tenants a chance to do the right thing and to send him the fruit, the harvest. But in the end, of course, he is just. Can't go on forever. And Jesus asks his hearers the question, what do you think the owner will eventually do? And they say, well, I'm sure he'll... Chuck them out. Of course he will. What else is he going to do? He can't keep on sending and sending and sending, getting no result. Yes, God is just. So there we are. God is energetic. God is trusting. God is patient. God is just. Does that sound like the sort of God that you and I know about? I expect it perhaps does. It tells us something this about uh, this story. It tells us something about mankind. tells us we're given great privileges to look after the vineyard. Great privileges. It's all been put in place for us to look after. What a privilege that is to take care of it and to enjoy such freedom as comes from being a tenant. Because God doesn't breathe over our shoulders. The owner does not stay on site with a big stick urging the tenant's to do the right thing, he goes on a journey. He goes away, leaves them to it. So we have considerable freedom in this for the tenants. So it's a big privilege and a big freedom comes with that. Of course, we're answerable because the owner sends servants to see what we're doing and to tell us. The people to whom Jesus told the story would have understood those to be the prophets. Here come the servants, the prophets. Tell them what to do. All through the Old Testament, loads of prophets. Haggai, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all sorts of prophets speaking for the Lord. So mankind is answerable for the actions taken. And of course, ultimately frail. The story tells us a couple of things about Jesus as well, because although the people to whom Jesus was speaking might not have recognized that Jesus was speaking about himself, they would have recognized the story. Because actually, in Isaiah chapter 5, you can find the story, pretty much, about a vineyard. Just see if we've got a verse or two from Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 5. It starts, I will sing to the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a winepress as well. Then he looked for a good crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, says Isaiah, you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? So that's in Isaiah, and it goes on like that. The people to whom Jesus was speaking would have known that. When he talks to them about a parable of a vineyard, they'd have had in their mind this picture from Isaiah. But Jesus claims, of course, to be more than a prophet. More than a prophet. He was the one cast as the son. He's not the servant that the owner sends. He's the son that the owner sends. It also tells us that Jesus knew what was likely to lie ahead of him. Because in the story the son was killed. Well, there we are. A little bit about the vineyard. What does God want to say to us today? Well, the heart of the parable says, the tenants let down the landowner. The tenants have let down the owner of the vineyard. And clearly, if Jesus' parable draws on that chapter in Isaiah, the prophecy that talks about the bad fruit that the vines produce, despite the fact that the owner has planted good vines, you can use your imagination to think about what that bad fruit is. The owner plants good vines, and yet they produce poor fruit. That raises the question, doesn't it? What is the good fruit that we're supposed to be growing? Actually, well, if you were to look in Galatians, <coughs> which I did earlier today, it talks about, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 20, verse 22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is. You could make this up easily, couldn't you? You could tell me what these are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, says Paul writing to the Galatians, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their sinful nature with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit and those are the good fruits of the spirit those are the good fruits that the owner of the vineyard intended to harvest when the time was ripe we're supposed to be letting the spirit grow that fruit in our lives of course, for Jesus, the outcome for the vineyard is much more optimistic than was the case in the picture that Isaiah was painting. Isaiah might have pointed towards the future Messiah, but Jesus could speak from personal experience of what the Messiah was going to do and what the Messiah was going to be. And we, looking back, of course, are in a position to know that the rejected stone that was Jesus Christ is that rock, that block, upon which we must build our lives because Christ offers forgiveness and healing and wholeness. The rejected stone in the second part of the story is the key, really. Jesus offers himself to everyone, including those whom the world (coughs) rejects. So, we need to think about the people God wants us to be, and the fruity wants us to produce we need to be encouraged by the past and by the present and have visions for the future Did you see the stone that they rejected the builders I don't blame them <laughs> I put this in there deliberately actually <laughs> and you left it out I there you are you see mm-hmm. the stone they rejected it's an acorn Yes? And it's growing. Look, it's just started to sprout. And actually, if we were to put this in the ground, in 5, 10, 50 years' time, it would be much more marvellous, actually, (laughs) than this here. And it's already just starting to grow, but it'll need to be planted. Yes. The stone that the builders rejected. Barbara just said that she was going to finish with a poem. It's always difficult listening to poetry. I might include it at a later point in a church magazine. It's a poem written by somebody I've not heard of, Charles Peguy, who's a Frenchman. Let's try it. The Lord God says, I myself will dream a dream within you. Good dreams come from me, you know. My dreams seem impossible, not too practical, not for the cautious man or woman. A little risky sometimes, a trifle brash perhaps. But some of my friends prefer to rest more comfortably in sound asleep with visionless eyes but for those who share my dreams I ask a little patience a little humour some small courage and a listening heart I will do the rest then they will risk and wonder at their daring run and marvel at their speed build and stand in awe at the beauty of their building you will meet me often as you work in your companions who share your risk in your friends who believe in you enough to lend their own dreams their own hands their own hearts to your building in the people who will find your doorway stay a while and walk away knowing that they too can find a dream. There will be sun-filled days, and sometimes a little rain, a little variety. Both come from me. So come now, be content. It is my dream you dream, my house you build, my caring you witness, my love you share. And that is the heart of the matter.